0: Good evening, it is good to see you all out this evening as we continue our study uh, in the book of Numbers and tonight we are going to uh, look specifically uh, at Numbers chapter 5, so if you will be turning with me there to Numbers chapter 5, if you haven't already, Um, just a a week ago, Brother Clark, he looked at uh, the first uh, 10 verses of the introduction uh, to this chapter. and tonight we will be looking at the remainder verses 11 through 31 uh, here tonight. So but before we go any further, would you go to the Lord in prayer with me? Well Father, we praise you once again for this opportunity that we have to, to come and to sing, praise and, and to worship you. Uh, this evening, on this Lord's Day, God, we uh, we thank you for what a great privilege it is, uh, Lord, that we still live uh, in a country where we can do so freely. And so, God, I, I pray right now, though, Father, that uh, as we have already uh, sended our praises up, God, that you would, uh, Lord, that we would be humbled, that we would uh, be attentive to what you would have to say down to us this this evening, God, as we look at your word tonight. As we look at this great passage in the book of Numbers, Father, help us, uh, Lord, open our eyes, God, that we may uh, behold wonderful things from your word this evening, God, that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word only, but that we would uh, be doers also, God, we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Numbers chapter 5, we'll start our scripture reading, as I said, in verse 11, and uh, we'll read down through the remainder of the chapter. The word of God says this, starting in verse 11, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel. If any man's wife goes astray and breaks faith with him, if a man lies with her sexually and it is hidden from the eyes of her husband, and she is undetected, though she has defiled herself, and there is no witness against her since she was not taken in the act. And if the spirit of jealousy comes over him and he is jealous of his wife who has defiled herself, or if the spirit of jealousy comes over him and he is jealous of his wife, though she has not defiled herself, then the man shall bring his wife to the priest and bring the offering required of her, a tenth of an ephah of barley flour. He shall pour no oil on it and put no frankincense on it, for it is a grain offering of jealousy, a grain offering of remembrance, bringing iniquity to remembrance. And the priest shall bring her near and set her before the Lord. And the priest shall take the holy water in an earthware vessel and take some of the dust that is on the floor of the tabernacle and put it on the water. And the priest shall set the woman before the Lord and unbind the hair of the woman's head and place in her hands the grain offering of remembrance, which is the grain offering of jealousy, and in his hand the priest shall have the water of bitterness that brings the curse. Then the priest shall make her shall make take an oath, saying, If no man has lain with you, and if you have not turned aside to uncleanness while you were under your husband's authority, be free from this water of bitterness that brings the curse. But if you have gone astray, though you are under your husband's authority, and if you have defiled yourself, and some man other than your husband has lain with you, then let the priest make the woman take the oath of the curse and say to the woman, The Lord make you a curse and an oath among your people when the Lord makes your thigh fall away and body swell. May this water that brings the curse pass into your bowels and make your womb swell and your thigh fall away and the woman shall say, Amen. Amen. Then the priest shall write these curses in a book and wash them off into the water of bitterness. And he shall make the woman drink the water of bitterness that brings the curse. And the water that brings the curse shall enter into her and cause bitter pain. And the priest shall take the grain offering of jealousy out of the woman's hand and shall wave the grain offering before the Lord and bring it to the altar. And the priest shall take a handful of the grain offering as it's a memorial portion and burn it on the altar. And afterwards shall make the woman drink the water. And when he has made her drink the water, then if she has defiled herself and has broken faith with her husband, the water that brings the curse shall enter into her and cause bitter pain, and her womb shall swell, and her thighs shall fall away, and the woman shall become a curse among her people. But if the woman has not defiled herself and is clean, then she shall be free and shall conceive children. This is the law in cases of jealousy, when a wife though under her husband's authority goes astray and defiles herself. Or when the spirit of jealousy comes over a man, when he is jealous of his wife, then he shall set the woman before the Lord, and the priest shall carry out her all this law. The man shall be free from iniquity, but the woman shall bear her iniquity. All right. Well, again, as I said, we're going to be looking at this great passage here in Numbers chapter 5. And uh, our previous uh, study, our previous lesson that we had in the book of Numbers, we looked at uh, the first ten verses of this chapter. Clark uh, looked at those verses for us. And uh, if, you, if you will remember with me, in that introduction of this chapter, uh, we looked at kind of the cleansing of the camp, uh, getting rid of the unclean uh, things from the camp. And so tonight we're just going to kind of feed off of that. And uh, we're going to look at what may seem... Uh, on the surface, like an odd uh, test, an odd ritual going on here. Uh, but I think there are some really profound truths that we will uh, look at here uh, in this passage. Um, but, before we, but before I get into any of that, um, there is a pastor by the name of Anthony Wood, and he is the pastor of um, a church in Orange County, California. And he was telling a story in a sermon uh, two, of two different uh, circumstances of a young man uh, who he had knew that was a part of a, of a local church nearby and who was serving faithfully but was also uh, attending seminary. And uh, he got news that uh, this young man was getting ready to be expelled from seminary. Uh, reason being was because he was caught fornicating with several other uh, women. He got another call not too long ago, uh, not too long after that same call, about another young man that he knew uh, that was serving faithfully in another local church. Uh, and he was going to Bible college, and he was looking at a suspension there because he, too, was caught uh, fornicating with several uh, other girls. Now, I bring that up uh, this evening to say that we're going to look at this passage and we're going to look at some things concerning sexual purity and concerning the marriage bond. And I think there are some things we can learn here in this passage on why sexual purity is so important to God uh, and why uh, the marriage bond is is important uh, to God as well. Now, before uh, we get into some points, I want, those points I want to look at. I just kind of want to go over with you briefly uh, through this passage, what's going on here. So in the beginning verses, uh, in verses 11 through 16, uh, we have an introduction to the process of this ritual uh, that is taking place, uh, which begins because of the husband's uh, jealousy, uh, and As a matter of fact, if we read those verses again, which we won't, but if you look through those verses again, we will see uh, the word jealous uh, appear several times in just a few verses. Uh, but this word jealous here actually uh, doesn't mean what we think of jealousy in our modern day as in terms of envying uh, someone in regards of maybe achievements or things that they have gained. But the, jealous, the word jealous that's used here is actually a desire for something to be given credit or acknowledging what is rightly uh, deserved. So a good example of this, I think, is uh, the Lord uh, is jealous for pure worship, for his own uh, name. And I think that can help us to understand this word. If we look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, it says, "There you shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God." In Exodus chapter 34, verse 14, it says, "For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous, is a jealous God." In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 15 says, "For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous." God. I wanted to bring those verses to your attention and show you that this word jealous that we see here uh, is of great significance to our passage. And so what we see in those verses that I just read is that God is a jealous God because he is oh so much deserving of pure worship. But here, the husband's jealousy is a reflection of the high placement, if you will, of marriage in the nation of Israel, or that should have been uh, in such a high placement here, okay? So, and also the offering of jealousy here, as we will see in verse 15 of our text, is called a grain offering of remembrance, okay? And that kind of serves two purposes here. The first purpose is that it may atone for the husband's guilt should he be proved wrong, and secondly, it may cleanse the tabernacle if the woman is found guilty. Okay, so there are two purposes here uh, to this grain offering uh, of remembrance. And in verses 16 through 17, what we have is the matter here is taken out, so it's, it's taken out of the husband's hand now, and the woman is now being brought before the Lord. Okay, and here the priest is beginning to prepare a liquid for the woman to drink, okay, which is known as, the, as we see in our text, water of bitterness, holy water. Uh, the woman is to drink uh, this water. And if we continue on in verse 18 with this ritual, we see that really uh, here we see that the woman is kind of given time to repent. If you'll look with me again at verse 18, It says, And the priest shall set the woman before the Lord and unbind the hair of the woman's head and place in her hands the grain offering of remembrance, which is the grain offering of jealousy. And in his hand shall the priest have the water of bitterness that brings the curse. Now, the unbinding of the hair, according to some commentators, most commentators, uh, most likely symbolizes openness uh, in the Lord's presence. Uh, So in verse 18, we kind of see here, Again, we see a time given for repentance, okay? And in verses 19 through 22, continuing again with this ritual, uh, there is an oath to be given, okay? Which one would either clear the innocent or bring punishment to the guilty, okay? And here the wife will be agreeing to the process as we see there with a double uh, amen. So there's an oath. Uh, being given, and it will either clear the innocent or to bring punishment uh, to the guilty. And in verses 23 through 26, after we see that this oath has been given, it is now enacted as the words are now being washed into the liquid uh, before it is consumed. So once once the priest has made the jealousy offering, now it's time for the woman uh, to take the drink. And after the drink has been consumed in verses 27 through 28, um, again, this is sort of an odd ritual, uh, depending on your reading of the text. Uh, and some might even think it, 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 it could be a cruel ritual as well, because you're thinking this woman is having to drink water with dust in it, right? And it's holy water. So. But really, this is a supernatural ritual. This is a supernatural act done by God himself. Uh, in the presence of the Lord. And so after the woman has drank uh, this holy water, as we see in verses 27 through 28, if she is found guilty, if she has defiled herself and has broken faith with her husband, the water then will bring bitter pain to her and cause swelling in her womb, causing her to never be able to have children. And if she has not defiled herself, the text says that she will be free and will be able to conceive children. So one of two things will happen, she will, either the husband will be proved right in his jealousy that the woman would be guilty, or uh, the woman will be proven innocent. Uh, But again, this is a supernatural ritual, this is a supernatural act of God in his presence. And so I wanted to go over that real quick just to give you a better understanding of what was going on there. And now I want us to look at some things uh, in this passage. So, a question, how does this passage fit? Uh, specifically within this chapter, uh, why is it being commanded by God through Moses to the children of Israel uh, as they journey through the wilderness? Well, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> if you'll allow me, I want to bring, I try to bring all this together for you and just how our text tonight fits in Perfectly, not only with the book of Numbers, but with our chapter uh, here in chapter five specifically. Again, in verses in the first ten verses, we see physical impurities. Right, Clark looked at those uh, for us last time. The physical impurities that lead to defilement of the camp, and therefore they must be removed from the camp. Okay, but why must they be removed? Well, as we're as we're continuing to go through this book, we're seeing even through these details of the transporting of the tabernacle, of how the tabernacle is to be set up in the midst of the camp, what we're seeing, even in these details, is the holiness of God is becoming more and more revealed. As the the further we go on in this book, that is what's happening here. Okay? And so, we're seeing the holiness of God being brought more to light and because God is holy and he's dwelling in the midst of his people, they, the unclean things must be removed from the camp. Okay, the, unthing, the unclean things must be removed from the camp. Why? Because God requires that his people be pure and undefiled. Okay? And so in our passage, what we're seeing is going along with this idea of of uncleanness, we are seeing here specifically that sexual impurity defiles and pollutes the camp. Okay, Sexual purity defiles and pollutes the camp, just like these physical impurities that we've seen in the first ten verses. So now we're looking at sexual impurity in, in our text this evening that also defiles the camp. So, in other words, what, what God is communicating to us in this text To his people, and what he's saying to us today is that our belief and our behavior go hand in hand. Our belief and our behavior go hand in hand. You can't say that you worship God and continue to live in sexual immorality, they don't go hand in hand. You can't. That's what the pagans do, right? That's what the pagans do. If you're going to be a follower of God and worship him in word, you've got to worship him in deed as well, okay? And that's something that we can see here, okay? But why, why, why is sexual impurity so important to God? So that's the first question I want us to look at uh, this evening is why is sexual impurity, why is sexual purity so important to God, okay? Well, Again, what we have going on in our text is we have a suspicious man. A suspicious man is required to take his wife to the priest in the case that he is jealous that she has been sexually impure and unfaithful to him okay, in their marriage. And what God is saying through Moses here in our text is that your sexual purity, what he's saying to the people of Israel is that your sexual purity is not just a private matter it's not just a private matter it's not you that it's not only you that will know about it it's an issue that impacts the whole camp you think you're going to be off over here in a tent somewhere or over here off you know away from the people and and think you can get away with whatever you're doing no This is not a private issue. This is an issue for all the people of God, and it's an issue because sexual purity is a direct correlation with our faithfulness to God. And sexual impurity is a direct correlation with our unfaithfulness to God. Okay? Notice with me in verses 16 and 18 again. And the priest shall bring her near and set her before the Lord. Okay, verse 18. And the priest shall set the woman before the Lord and unbind the hair of the woman's head and place in her hands the grain offering of remembrance, which is in the grain offering of jealousy. And, is, and in his hand the priest shall have the water of bitterness that brings the curse. Sexual purity, guys, is important. Because to be sexually pure is to be faithful to the Lord, okay? And if you're committing sexual immorality, you are not being faithful to the Lord, okay? So sexual, sexual purity is important to God. It's very important. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, we see there, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, we see there, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. One chapter over in Revelation chapter 22, verses 14 through 15, say, blessed are those who wash their robes So that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. So we're seeing all throughout scripture that God cares about sexual purity in the life of his people. And the point is that no child of God is to continue to go on in sexual immorality being unrepentant of it. Okay, That's what this ritual is teaching us. It's teaching us that sexual purity is important to God. It's important to God. It's important to our worship of God. No child of God is to continue in sexual immorality and be unrepentant of it not a characteristic of one who is following the Lord. It's not a characteristic of one who knows God. So this ritual is teaching us something about sexual purity. But this ritual is also teaching us something about marriage, about the marriage bond. Now again, um, we're learning about The marriage bond, the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman, right? We know this, too, is also very important to God. This, too, is also very important to God. So, again, here, marital fidelity is also a thing we can look at and see in this passage. And it is, again, just like sexual purity, it is a spiritual issue, okay? It impacts the whole camp. It impacts our relationship with Almighty God. This entire passage is very clear that unfaithfulness in marriage is not in any way compatible with being considered in the membership of the people of God. Okay? If the woman is being set before the Lord and is found by the supernatural work of God to be unfaithful to her husband and is unrepentant of it, She is to be removed from the camp and the people of God. She is to be cut off completely. This is important, guys. Sexual purity is important. The marriage bond is important. The covenant of marriage is important, brothers and sisters. And the sad thing is we live in a world where that's just not So many professing Christians today are getting caught up in pornography and fornication and watching all of these disgusting TV shows and, and coming across all of this stuff on social media and, and yet, you know, they're going to church every Sunday, they may be faithfully serving and, and they're, they're professing Christ, they're professing that they love Christ and, and love Him with all their heart and yet... Underneath all of that, they're unclean. Why? Because they're acting in sexual immorality. They're acting in sexual immorality. I don't know about you guys, but evangelicalism seems kind of shallow. And the reason being is because what's lying underneath, Sexual impurity. You say, well, how can that be? Ravi Zacharias. We have others who have fallen because of sexual impurity. Just one after another, left and right. Boom, 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 boom. And it's happening. So this is a serious issue, guys. Sexual purity is serious in an article written by Jeff Diamond in 2020 he says this a majority of evangelical christians and take in mind this is an article that was written just in 2020 a majority of evangelical christians 57% say sex between unmarried adults in a committed relationship is sometimes or always Acceptable. Fifty-seven percent. Now we're two years after that, so so no doubt that number has risen. But that is over half of professing evangelicals, people professing to love Christ, people professing that they're that they're serving Christ. They're coming to church. They may be coming to church faithfully. They're singing songs. They may be preaching. They may be teaching. It doesn't matter what they're doing. But, 57% of those people say that sexual immorality is okay. That pornography is moral. 57% And when we look at our text this evening, there is no gray area here with God. God never gives us a gray area. It's white and black. Sexual immorality is wrong. Fornication is wrong. And Sexual purity in the confines of marriage should be taken very seriously and with the utmost importance. Because, why? Because what we find in Scripture is marriage is a beautiful picture of the gospel. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel. We see that in Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus in in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 32, saying, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body Loves himself. Verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And then Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, which is what we're going to look at next Sunday morning in Brother Dallas as he's continuing our sermon through the book of 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So friends, what's at stake in our marriage, what's at stake in all this is the gospel. It's the gospel. And so what we find in our text is is we see that not only that, that marital fidelity, guys, is not just a matter of our personal relationships, but it is a manifestation of our faithfulness to God. And if we're unfaithful to one another all we're not being faithful to the lord sexual purity is important to god sexual purity is also There's one other thing I want us to look at I want to draw your attention to. In our text, we see the woman is to drink of a bitter uh, cup of dust and holy water. Friends, we are reminded of another bitter cup in Scripture. Matthew chapter 26 in the Garden of Gethsemane. Friends, what do we see there? We see Christ praying in the Garden. right? We see Christ, he's praying in the Garden. What does he say? If it's possible, take this cup from me. If it's possible, take this cup from me. But not my will. Christ was submissive to the Father's will and when He went to the cross, friends, He was bearing our sins, He was bearing our contaminated life, He was bearing our wickedness, He was bearing our uncleanness. And what we find is when the Father raises Christ from the the grave, right, He has taken upon Himself our sin and the holy wrath of God and has made us clean through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ we are made clean through Christ because he has bore all of our uncleanness so there's hope there's hope that if if there's those that are listening if there are those that are here and you find yourself being unfaithful you find yourself most of all being unfaithful to the Lord but also unfaithful to your spouse hope friends you can repent you can repent and turn back to God what does the scripture say? He will be compassionate He will be compassionate friends we've been made Are all sufficient. Prophet, priest, and king. Amen? We've been made clean. We don't have to be removed from the camp anymore. We can be brought back in by the great shepherd, the good shepherd. Father, we live in a world that takes sexual purity so lightly. We live in a world where those will confess Christ with their mouths, but indeed are as shallow as a gun. God, help us by your grace, through your word, by the empowering of your Holy Spirit to to be more conformed to the image of your Son. Lord, that as we see that you are holy, God, help us to realize that we are not. Help us to see our uncleanness, our wretchedness, our sinfulness before you. God, help us to confess that. Help us to confess when we fall short. Lord, that we might, in some small way, be a faithful servant to you. And bring honor and glory in our sexual purity, in our marriages, and in our Christian life your holy name. We pray all this in Jesus' name.